to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. I hate to admit it, but my wife taught me something this week. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this, dude. Did you know that you can actually make a list for groceries for Walmart and they will, del- like, you just pull in and they bring your, your groceries out? <laughs> they do this. Yeah. I did not know they we, did this. We actually get ours delivered all the way to our door. No it way. It is like the sickest, like, rich American thing that we do. Your your food comes to your door? Oh, yeah. They just, like, somebody actually delivers it all the way and, like, walks it up and it, hands it to me at my door. Is that, like, shipped or something shipped, like that? Shipped, yeah. Really? It makes me feel so lazy. But it is so nice because, speaking of the list thing, whenever I go shopping, I can't be trusted because I will, You're that guy, huh? I will go into Target and be like, I'm just going to get two things. And then $187 later, I'm walking out and I didn't get anything that is worth anything. Just, no nutritional value no, whatsoever. Like, like nothing to eat. It's just random, stupid stuff. And uh, so my, my wife has told me I cannot go to Target. So you save money by doing it. Oh, we actually do. Like for real, like legitimately save money because we don't shop hungry. You know, you don't go to the grocery store all starving to death and just start buying snacks. All those unwritten rules. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I just didn't never knew that with, I mean, I'd seen people, and if she explained it all to me, it made sense. The people who kind of carry those little blue buggies, you wouldn't know because you don't, you're never in, the, in there. I'm sure you still go some, but we've just never done good with grocery. we got three kids, and so there's five of us total there. We buy a lot of stuff, and my wife is one of those that literally buy the same thing over and over and over. So like, she has this list on her phone i guess it's on an app or i don't know how it works i'm not the tech guy that's the reason you're the producer here not me i'm just the talker but she she has this list and memorized the list and literally she just clicks on there the things she wants and then when we pull in they just load the car yeah and it's pretty it, amazing it is amazing dude and so today we're going to talk a lot about list and kind of talk about what it means to make a recovery list Before we do, let's share some news with our listeners. Hey, Soberholics. We hope you're enjoying the show. We've gotten some great feedback from y'all, but we need more. If you go to iTunes and leave us a review, a written review, it helps others find the show. And if you do this for us by May 31st, you'll receive a free copy of Roger's ebook, Soberholic, 12 Steps Later. Make sure to email soberholicpodcast.com at gmail.com to let us know that you left the review so that we can send you the ebook. In fact, you can pause the show right now and go do that. I give you permission. So last week we talked about a list, and that list, for me, the first time I ever, I ever did it, was more so about making a list of people that I thought owed me an apology because they had done me wrong. And then we talked about sharing that with a sponsor or to another human being, to ourselves and God. For me, that was a sponsor that I talked to. And he began to share with me some of the problems that I had in my life, some of those character defects, and showed my part in those things. When I found my part, I realized that 
I had to get rid of some baggage in my life, and some of that was character de- defects. And I had not given all of those, and still have not given all of those over, as the the step says. But what I have done is realized that I I had to make a new list, <laughs> and that list was about some people that I had hurt. And that's what we're going to pick up today as we've been talking about these, you know, these Christian guide or discipleship guide of of how the steps relate to us in a, in a discipleship way. In step eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Our scripture says, do to others as you would have them do to you, Luke six thirty one. This is one of those things that I didn't really want to do. I mean, I don't like making amends, but I realized they were needed. But this is the step that they what, – what is it they say about this one? It separates the men from the boys? I thought that was six and seven. Or is this the one they say, this is where the rubber meets the road? That sounds a lot better. I think that one's it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So and, – and there's a good reason why this is, you know – why they say this is where the rubber meets the road on this one is because like you're actually going to be confronting somebody that you wronged or that you hurt. And that can be really intimidating. But I remember when I first got to step eight, my sponsor was like, you're not doing it yet. You're just making a list. So don't freak out yet. You know, and that was something important to keep in my mind when I was making the list is like, I'm not, you know, he was like, you're not going to be going out and doing all these in one day. You know, this is, this could be a long process. Um, You know, some, some amends are not, you're not ready to make them right away. We tend to get ahead of ourselves a lot. Oh man. Yeah. One way that we do that is trying to do this way early in the beginning of our recovery because we see that some of the damage we've caused and we want to clear that up real quick. And you want to shout from the rooftops. You you get so excited and you're like, I've changed. You know, I'm sober now. But people want to see change. They don't want to hear about change. Yeah. This is the great part about this for me because I was several months into my recovery when I got to this point of making a list. And as you said, it was important that I just – was willing to do that, not really do the whole deal. Because if I'm not careful, then I'm like, eh, I'm not going to put them on my list because I don't really want to make an amends. If I don't write them on the list, then I don't have to do it. Because I'm a checklist guy. That's that's what I do. Well, I remember when I sat down to actually make out my amends list, my step eight list, I remember how intimidating it was to try to remember you know, 20 something years of people that I'd wronged. And I remember thinking, how, how am I even going to do that? And I remember going to my sponsor and and asking him, you know, well, how can I do that without missing some? And, you know, he was very reassuring. He was like, you just do, you just do the best you can. And so my list was very long, of course. Um, the first time around and I was, you know, going all the way back to childhood, even thinking of people that I'd wronged when I was in high school or, or college or whatever. And, um, you know, once I got done with the list, you know, I reviewed it 
you know, with my sponsor. Were you intimidated at first, you know, when you were in the process of making the list? Intimidated, no, but there was just so much. Like, I had to have someone to reassure me that I wasn't a complete failure is what I had to have because as I looked at how much damage I had caused, it was really worse than what I previously thought, which I thought was bad. Because like you, I, I did. I, I wrote down everything, even small things that I could remember of stealing from a store like bubble gum from years ago from a convenience store. I, I knew that I could never make amends for that because the store wasn't even in business anymore. But I wrote those things down because my sponsor, as I've said before, told me if, if you have to question it, write it down. And so when I wrote all of this stuff down, I was like, wow, I mean, have you done anything good in your life? <laughs> yeah, and that's where the sponsor can really, you know, because if you don't have a sponsor when you're working on these steps, as we drove home the point last episode, it's so easy to to get down on yourself and just to run yourself off into a ditch and just go, man, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. And uh, and not actually be making progress in the steps. You can just get focused on on the terrible things that you've done, and get into morbid reflection, uh, as as they say. And you know it, it, that's why it's important to have a sponsor to help guide you and to to get you out of the ditch whenever you go in there. When we talk about making this list of you know of persons that we've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Back in that other list I talked about in our, in our fourth step, there was one particular person, uh, a woman that had hurt me deeply. I mean, deeply. And I worked through this with a sponsor, and I shared that. But I just really wasn't over it. I can't say, oh, you, you did your steps, and now you saw your part. Yeah, I saw a little bit of my part, but I didn't really care because her part was bigger, and it didn't matter. And I and I just wasn't willing to put her on this list. And I talked to my sponsor about it. And back to the the sponsor that I've told you has been tough with me. One thing that we always do is that we would say the Serenity Prayer and the Lord's Prayer a lot. And and during that Lord's Prayer was one of the prayers that we would recite a lot of times. And he said, Roger, he said, are you not willing to put her name down? I'm like, I'm not. He said, well, I, I don't want you to, to recite the Lord's Prayer anymore. I'm wow. Like, Who are you to tell me I can't say <laughs> yeah. the prayer? Yeah. And he's like, Well, if you can't if you can't forgive her, who are you to ask for God's forgiveness? And that floored me, man, because it it made me realize that if I can't extend forgiveness to someone else, but I'm willing to ask for forgiveness, then I'm playing God in my life. Yeah. And I was like, Wow. And she made the list. And um I've I have forgiven her, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I say all that to say, you know, even right now I'm not sharing your, her name with you because I don't want to cause her any harm through all of this. It's important for me just to become willing. And just because you have done some step work to this point, you may not be willing yet. And I would say to you that just write the name down. Yeah, just put it down. Yeah, and that that's what's important is just if you're willing – you know, you your sponsor can help help you with the actual amends. I think probably, you know, if we're going to go ahead and move into step nine here, uh, where it says may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
um, the, the scripture for that is, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift, Matthew five twenty three through 24. And I think this is one of those steps, the ninth step, where you really need a sponsor because amends can go horribly wrong if you don't have somebody to guide you through it in a practical way. This point in, in my recovery in different times is I've gotten so much better. You know, my life has gotten better. I've seen God work in my life at this point. So I'm ready to just go and make amends to people because I, I see, you know, now people see a change in me. They see Jesus in me now. They see a change. And so I want to just run and make amends, make amends, make amends. And a sponsor was that person for me to say, no, Roger, let's don't do it at their expense. Like I was trying to make amends at birthday parties and you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the time, Roger. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. And I had to have someone tell me, don't do it. You're selfish enough. You don't need to do it. You know, just whenever it's to make yourself feel better, you're doing this to you know clean your side of the street right but you're doing this in a way that you're you're making i, I don't know the best way to say that you're just trying to make things right without it making it about yourself exactly that, that, that's really actually really good um because it was still about me all the time i I was doing it for them, but it was I was doing it for me. And I guess maybe until you're in that position, you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you mean. For me, like the reason why I don't like to have relationships that are out of whack or, you know, somebody has something against me or I have something against somebody. It's just it's it's harder. You know, it's I don't like walking around knowing that something is not right now. Because it's just easier if there is no resentment or if there there is if when when you have the forgiveness and when you ask somebody for forgiveness and you don't have that stuff going on, it's just so much easier. Well, the first time I made a a um, amends because I, I didn't know where to start. I'd made my list out, and I sat down, I talked with my sponsor, and I was kind of clueless to it, because I've never really, at that point, I really never had apologized for anything. If I apologized, it was only a, so I could get something else out of you. Like, right. Let's make things okay so I can get back into your wallet another way. You didn't really feel remorse. No, never. In fact, I've told people I didn't have a conscience right. <laughs> anymore. But at this point, I, I did, and because you know God had convicted me. It's some, some of the few times I had felt conviction up to that point. That may not resonate with our listeners, but for me, that was very true. And I had felt a lot of conviction that I needed to make amends for these things, but I didn't know where to start. And my sponsor said, look, let's just start with the hardest one first. And that probably ain't what you want to hear, but for me, I was like, that, that's what you say. That's what we're going to do. For me, it was with my grandfather that I had to make an amends to. I had stolen a pistol from him years ago, and really nobody knew about it other than one other person in my family. But I had caught wind that he had knew he knew about it, and that ain't the reason I was trying to make the amends. But I I knew that I had done it and it was wrong. So I went to him, and I, I, at first I called him and I asked him when was a good time for me to come by because again it wasn't about me; it was about him. And he said, well, you can come by this day and this time. So I stopped by, 
And he opened the door, which was a blessing to begin with because I was a thief and he knew I was a thief because mm-hmm. of the drugs, <laughs> you know. And all these years, he had just kind of talked down to me really bad and just in a really derogatory type way. But it wasn't about that. It was about me apologizing for the stuff I'd stole from him. And I had to look past that stuff. And that's what a sponsor was there to point out to me. And I told him about what was going on, that I had stole this pistol from him. And I was there not just to say I'm sorry, but I wanted to make things right. That was a step further than I'd ever been before because I would say I'm sorry, and everybody would call me sorry. Right. But, They'd be like, I know. <laughs> we agree. But um, I wanted to make things right. And so I, I said, look, I don't know how much the pistol was worth, but I kind of felt it was worth about $60. And he kind of agreed with that. He said, I don't want your money. And I said, but I want to. I, I have to do this for me. I gave him the $60, and he set it up on his mantle. And that was kind of it. He forgave me. My grandmother was there, forgave me. It was great. From that point on, we you know we had a relationship. And it was, I don't know, maybe a year later, I'm guessing, maybe eight months to a year, something like that. It had been some time had passed. And we were just sitting there talking one day, and he reached up on his mantle later and handed me that $60. He said, I want you to have this back now. And you didn't even touch it. No, he'd been sitting there all, wow. all that time. And it was, it was amazing to see that. But he let me... Um, go through that and do that and it was just I don't know it was amazing yeah and I think when you're when you're vulnerable with somebody most of the time if they see that you have you have having a, a proven track record you know for some period of time leading up to that and you're vulnerable with them and admit an honest mistake you know most of the time it's well received most of my men's were were well received. I had a f- couple weird ones, but that was probably because I shouldn't have even bothered making them. But um, <laughs> you know, and I did it against the advice or without my spon- sponsor's knowledge at all. Rebel of the calls, yeah. And um, but you know, most of them went well, and 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 because people people like a good, you know, comeback story. Most people just love a story of somebody who who had a hard time and then they got better and then they're trying to make things right. Most people, even if you're not even a Christian, most people receive that well when they see that you've been doing good. And that's why, you know, that this step is is placed, you know, at at number nine and not number one or number two because it's given you time to show you know, the evidence that you actually are doing something in your life. I remember um, one of the amends that went went really good was with a former employer of mine that I'd stolen from, a pretty decent amount from. And I talked with my sponsor about it, and they were like, yeah, you should do this one, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, I could, I could face legal, you know, charges and – um, but I went and did it anyway, and I said, look, you know, I stole this and this from you when I was employed with you. And, you know, I was like, I'm willing, you know, to work out some kind of payment plan to make it right with you, you know, if, if you'll allow me to. And they just said, no, don't don't worry about that. Just keep doing what you're doing. 
But I have heard that, you know, employers say, yeah, we'll work out a payment plan. I've heard people, you know, with that kind of story. Another one that went kind of weird for me was I owed um, a couple friend, uh, this couple that were I was friends with, I owed them some money. I'd, I'd borrowed, quote unquote, air quotes, <laughs> borrowed some money from them. And I mean, this is, you know, three years later, I go to try to pay them back and I had added some to it also and i slid it under their apartment door and then later i found out that they didn't even live there anymore (laughs) (laughs) somebody got a blessing yeah oh yeah they got somebody (laughs) just got a big blessing uh out of that one so but but i did try you know and you know that's the thing with amends is they, they don't all look the same they're all different and that's why having a sponsor is so key. They can walk you through each and, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Well, I personally do not have a bad amend story. I do have one, though, that I was not willing to make. And that's the reason I emphasized a minute ago about it becoming willing. Because I had made all of my amends that was on uh, kind of that I found through my step work up until that point. But there was this one that I just, I, and there was really no reason for me not to make it, but it was a, a guy, he and I were friends, and I had just, there was a lot of different things into it. I kind of felt like I, I played a part in him using drugs like he did, and I I done some bad things to his family. I like called his mother some horrible names, and I just, I don't know if it was pride or what, I, I just never would stop in and make amends. And I knew where he worked because I passed by his work every day. It was a family-owned business. And I just, it was a tire shop, or actually it was a mechanic shop, and I just, I just always passed by, literally on the way to church, on the way to work, everywhere I, I went, I had to go by this this business, and every time I would go by, like God would almost nudge me and say, you know, what about today? Are you going to do it today? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it today either. <laughs> not going to do it today either. And it was just never would happen, and never was willing. But then one day, I, I, I kid you not, I can't make a story up like this. My tire blew out in front of his business, and I had to pull in. And he was there. <laughs> and as we were there, although I did not make an appointment, I did not call him and see what was good for him, I figured the the Lord kind of set that appointment. And we talked on the side, and while our friendship's not like it used to be, there's no hard feelings, and... The coolest thing about amends for me, like now when I see this guy, I can hold my head high because I apologize for the things I called his mother and the conversations he and I had had. There's no bad blood between us now because I, I felt like I repaired that the best we can. All the time, you you know, when you make an amends, it doesn't mean that you're just going to go back to where you was in that relationship. You're probably not going to go back to where you was in that yeah, relationship. Yeah, depending on what you did, yeah. So it just it don't just get smoothed over and forgotten, but you cleared it up. Sometimes you you can't even make those amends though. You know sometimes those people are, are maybe dead and gone. What have you done in those type situations? There's there's a couple that you know people that I needed and owed amends to that had passed away, and so what I found helpful was it was suggested by my sponsor was to write a letter. And um, I wrote a letter, and uh, at the uh, the meeting I was going to at the time, there was this can, and it said, the God can. And so, 
you could write a note and put it in there. People put little notes in there, you know, like letters to God or to to amends or whatever. So I wrote I wrote a couple of letters and I just wrote out my amends to the person that had passed away and I put them in that can and they're probably still in there if I was if I was uh, willing to guess, but it was really therapeutic because I felt I felt like I was I was making the amends you know, whether the person was, was hearing it or not, you know, and that I really meant it. And so the, it was, that was very helpful as far as the, the people that are still living that, you know, it, it does say in the last part of step nine, you know, except when to do so would injure them or others. There's people in my past that were just way better off just never hearing from me again. And that was hard to accept that I had been such a tornado in somebody's life in in that big a way where it's better if they just don't even hear from me anymore. That was hard to accept. But all I could do was just do what is known in the recovery com- community as a living amends. And just to try to live, you know, my life the best I can, you know, w- with with my recovery and with helping others and trying to do the best I can and not not actually contact them. Well, there was a lot of sexual relationships I was in that there's just no business I had to call them back because it was going to hurt them and the family that they were part of. But what I did do was make the list. And right. by doing the list, I just saw how sick some of my behaviors were. And in order to, to make that amends, like you mentioned, it was about me just not repeating that cycle. That's the best way I could make that amends to them. Yeah. There was others that I saw that um, – I've seen so many unique ways to make amends. I I saw one guy who literally wrote out a, a letter like you were talking about for the God can, tied it to a balloon and just let it go. Mm, that's good. I've seen that, you know, and it was almost a way of, you know, um, signifying that he was letting that amends go. There was um, one I've seen someone go to the graveside and to of the deceased person and, and read the letter there, maybe even leave the letter there. So many different unique ways, but with a sponsor, it kind of helps you walk through those things. There are some of those people that I had on my list that I was confident I needed to make an amends to, but my sponsor showed me that it wasn't because, again, it was about me and my selfishness. I thought that I had to do it strictly for me but i was gonna do it at their expense right and then there's some that my sponsor said it's just not time you know you need to wait for the right opportunity to present itself on this particular one like a birthday party yeah like a birthday party (laughs) or their wedding day yeah yeah just do that on their wedding day hey so uh, i got something to tell you but yeah, I mean, there's some that just, you know, that are not so cut and dry, like, okay, you're, you know, I can make this one on this day or whatever. Some of them, you just need to wait for an opportunity to present itself like you did with the tire shop amends. You know, that was just a, a great opportunity that presented itself. I want to look back at the scripture for a minute that goes with this step where you've already read it, but it says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then and come offer your gift. 
so many times in my life, I just run to God with all my problems, but I leave all this destruction behind me. For me, this verse talks about, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't forgive and God doesn't change any of those things. Don't mis, misunderstand what I'm saying. But there, there, there is action that we need to take. We just can't leave the destruction behind us and say, Lord, okay, fix me again, and just keep this cycle of insanity. There comes a point where we've got to stop doing that stuff, repair it before we can move forward. Right. And, what I mean, Roger, what would the church itself look like if this principle was exercised on a regular basis where when somebody has a problem, you know, with one church member has a, has a problem with another church member and they go and they reconcile it, you know, I mean, there's so many times that I am talking to a non-believer and their biggest hang up with coming to church is somebody that wronged them years ago or, you know, is some resentment from 25 years ago or whatever. And so, you know, unforgiveness, you know, especially in the church, is, is such a big hindrance. And it, it stifles the Holy Spirit from being able to work. It prevents the church from growing. I just, I just, you know, hate to think about what the church would look like and how much healthier it'd be if... If the if the body of Christ was willing to be vulnerable with each other and repair our relationships with our, with each other and reconcile with each other the, the 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 hurts and the and the wrongs that we've done each other, I was reading today and there was a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, "You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending." Man, that just spoke to me in so many ways because. Maybe our, our listeners are just jumping in right now, and you, you're jumping into step nine. There's eight steps that we've already talked about. And, of course, we've talked time and time again that just by hearing these steps doesn't mean you're, you're working these steps. But you have an opportunity to, to step in and change where you're at today. And a lot of where we're at is because of this unforgiveness that we carry. And it's it's just permeated our being and it's dug roots, and those those roots are just character defects, as we've talked about. And whatever this hurt, this habit, this hang-up is that we're dealing with, it just kind of manifests itself in a way that is killing us on the inside. And by making these amends, when we get to this step, it's a very freeing, freeing thing. I said it a second ago, but... This, for me, is where things begin to change in my life. I had gotten a lot better, don't get me wrong, because I think a lot of people get to feeling better physically way early, depending on what your your addiction is. Maybe you've lost a lot of weight. Maybe the problems aren't as severe as they were. If you're coming in for drugs and alcohol, maybe the cops or the law isn't on you anymore because there's been some months behind you. But by the time you get to step nine, you've begun to feel differently spiritually, or at least I did, because I began making these amends, and I was making things right with my brothers and sisters. And I felt different on the inside because the shame and the guilt that I carried for so long was beginning to leave me. And that was just a tremendous feeling of joy and happiness in me. Yeah, for me, this was after this step is when I really— 
was able to start looking in the mirror and recognizing the the person, you know, and and looking at, in the mirror and and thinking, I I I almost you know respect this person now. I, I could lay my head down at night on my pillow and not feel bad about all the things I had done. You know, I had it was it was this is when I was able to start really kind of forgiving myself, which I know you know we've talked about before how hard that is but this is when i was really able to forgive myself when i had done some of these amends and this is where we begin making that 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 new beginning or the or change the ending i guess is is the quote said because everything we've talked about really essentially has been behind us we're we're still repairing the, the wreckage from behind us but after you make these amends and even during that process you begin looking forward and you see a new life ahead of you, and you see a life of what Jesus can do in your life. That's amazing stuff for me because at this point in my recovery, I realize that I am someone I never thought I could be. I didn't know I could be an honest person again. (laughs) I really didn't. I didn't know that I could be around people and not steal from them. I mean, I didn't have to steal your wallet and help you look for it. (laughs) So bad to say, but that was me. Uh, Yeah. And and people, there was people who would respect me, Jason. Can you believe that? I know. I mean, and that's just not the guy that I that I used to be. So it's it's cool to say that. And as I sit here on the other side of a lot of that stuff, I look back at that the boogeyman that we talked about, uh, the step four and step five. And if you ever get the courage to step into these steps and, and work the process and, and go down the journey that we're, that we're we're asking you to go down, then it's worth every bit of it to get to this point and say, wow, look at this new freedom. I've never heard anybody work the steps and then when they get done go, nah, that wasn't worth it. What's that old saying? Something <laughs> about you come on in and we'll we'll refund your misery or something. Yeah. Yeah, if we'll gladly like refund your misery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I've never it's something like that. Yeah. But I've never heard anybody work through the steps and say, you know what, I'm worse off because of that. I've only heard people say, I've worked the steps and you know, then they just go on for five, ten minutes about how much they learned about themselves, how much closer to God they got, how much better their relationship with God and their relationship with others is. You know, and, and, you know, that's the greatest commandment that, that Jesus talks about in the Bible is love God and then love others as yourself. And that's why we believe that, you know, the 12 steps is a great discipleship model for all Christians is it is it teaches you it, it helps you get rid of all those things that that keep you from loving God. And then it restores your relationship, you know, with others and then it, it helps you to maintain that, which is what we'll be talking about next week. Yeah, if I don't get on a soapbox here, because I see so many times Christians, we go to an altar, we ask for forgiveness, or we ask for salvation, or whatever the, the case is, we, we, we had this burden, but we never go through this other stuff to clear up the wreckage. We never get there. And that would be my question to anybody listening today, whether you're a 
a hundred year old Christian or not, whatever the you know, if you got saved when you was a kid, have you ever really done this stuff? Because these are just biblical principles we're talking about. We're not asking you to to really go into recovery with this, you know, the right. the the crazy work. Just have you done these things? Because these are just practical things that Jesus shows us that we need to do if we're going to call ourselves cross followers. Yeah, I I grew up in the church and I was never asked, hey. Who do you owe amends to? Make a list of people that you have wronged and make it right with them. I was, I, I was I, never asked that. Yeah, what I hear is, oh, that's under the blood. You know, and right. that, that's kind of where it stops. It's almost, and there there is some truth to that. I'm not saying no, it's not. Yeah. But it's almost like a cop-out force as Christians is just to always say that. The freedom that I've experienced from doing these things is is so much more. And I think that as Christians, we sell ourselves short not to do these things. I totally agree. So, Well, but, next week we're going to come back and we're going to finish talking up about these steps. And we're going to be talking about what we call the maintenance steps to try to keep this, this ideal of freedom in our lives and not let all this build up and crop up in us. All right. Well, I'm Jason. And I'm Roger. Signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.